The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, public order units across the country are due to receive 200 tasers, two permanent water cannon, as well as body cams with the aim of making our streets safer for both Gardaí and for the citizens of this country. The new measures are due to be put in place following the riot that happened in the capital last Thursday night. Joining me now to talk about these new measures are the lecturer at UCD, retired assistant Gardaí Commissioner Jack Nolan, and also crime journalist with the Irish Independent Paul Williams. Uh, good morning, Jack. Uh, good morning, Pat. How are you? I'm very well. Now, uh, the, what we saw in the capital was uh, not quite unprecedented. We saw the Love Ulster riot many years ago, uh, which was uh, on a kind of a similar scale. Uh, but in modern times, in recent times, what we saw last Thursday was quite unprecedented. Um, how do you uh, explain what happened and the guard the response? Uh, well, uh, I, I agree with you that it was uh, uh, pretty pretty unprecedented. Yes, we've had a major protest before and major disturbances, and uh, and, and possibly we will have them into the future. Uh, I, I, from my own perspective, speaking now as a, as a private citizen, I, I, I look at it uh, that it's almost a seminal day in policing, and we've had other ones, uh, such as the 1996 shooting of Veronica Gearden and Jerry McCabe. We had the Limerick feud when Ray Collins was shot, and and, and we had the tribunal eras. All of these were seminal days in policing uh, in Ireland, and they brought responses. They brought legislative responses, new um, crime legislation, crime packages. And now we have this significantly serious and unprecedented riot in Dublin City, and we get another response. And I would categorise this response into capacity strengthening in Ongarda Siakana. And indeed, I, I picked up somewhere on one of the news feeds that the Garda Commissioner said he would like to have a thousand extra guards and, uh, and and that's good to hear it being called out like that, that there would be enough police. Because when that riot erupted on on Thursday last, it would be nice to have a permanent um, public order response team on standby and available for redeployment. Um, we got an armed presence like that, a permanent armed presence in Dublin uh, as a response to the Hutch uh, shootings and, and, and I was in charge of Dublin City at that time. And again, it took something, an incident, an occurrence to kick, kick off the response. And I don't think it should always take a crisis to enable uh, Ongarda Siakana to be supplied and equipped with the tools to do the business. Um, yeah. The, no, no, the, just yeah, one of the sorry, things that happened, trying to deploy uh, Gardaí at short notice. Um, I was wondering, and one of our listeners asked it yesterday, you know, was there a plan for such an eventuality or was that an appalling vista that guard the management just did not contemplate? You know, because you'd like to think there would be an emergency plan for such a thing, even if it never had to be implemented. You'd like to think it was there, uh, uh, you know, so that Gardaí could be properly equipped and deployed rapidly. Yeah, and, and, and that's, that's, that's probably the key issue in this and the investigation, the inquiry into how this whole uh, incident was managed, that will, uh, will focus significantly on that. Um, Ongarda Siakana has approximately 400 trained public order practitioners, but they are 
Gardaí who are engaged on other duties almost every other day. Mm-hmm. What we don't have is what they exist in other major capital cities is a permanent public order team on standby, fully equipped and available. And the reason we don't have it is we don't have the need for it up to now. Uh, our guys have to go back to the station, get suited up and booted up, take out their shields, batons, helmets, get into the vans and come back. And that's most likely what happened on Thursday last. Um, yeah. the, I mean, um, we heard uh, all the, the, the talk about people having to go home to get equipment because there is no you know, locker space in a, a central location where guys, uh, they're off duty, they come in in their civvies as quickly as they can to a central location. They get suited and booted and they're, they're deployed. That isn't what happened. They had to go home to their house, um, or their flat and get yeah. their gear and get, make their, their way in. It's not an efficient way to get rapid deployment. No, and, and I agree that, that that should not happen. There should be sufficient space in a guard station. There should be sufficient storage space in a guard station for that type of equipment to be readily available. Um, I'm not sure about wh- exactly what happened in those incidents. I, I, I don't have any personal knowledge of that. But what I would say is it would be, what my recommendation would be, a permanent team available for deployment. Uh, the issues around the ancillary tools that they would have, such as tasers. Um, I think public order teams should have a taser, especially when you see some of the graphic images that were on TV uh, this week. Um, the body cameras, again, is an issue that has been raised by both and supported by both Garda management and the Garda staff associations. It's taken years for this to come to fruition. And again, it takes a crisis to put it high on the agenda. Yeah. The issue of water cam- cannons. Water cannons are available to police forces all across Europe. But water cannons, they're seldom deployed to suppress people or to uh, control rights. They're, they're a deterrence tool, uh, a type of a soft deterrence tool. If you remember back to 2004, uh, the EU accession treaty uh, meetings in Dublin, they were used on the Navan Road, but they were used in the soft spray mode where they, they yeah. basically wet down the enthusiasm and, and dampen down the enthusiasm of, of protesters. Um, I mean, other things like new equipment, small shields, uh, more training, etc. These are all things that should be readily yeah. available and the funding uh, to support that. But you wonder who, who, who's kind of working out how even those shields would be used. The big shields they have at the moment, uh, they're used generally to push against crowds, giving the officer total protection. But the officer using such a big, long body shield, which goes from really the, knee, the knees up to over their heads... And they can't wield a baton in that situation. So the idea of the small shield is that they can protect their faces, for example, and they'll be wearing helmets as well. But they can also wield uh, their weapon, which is a baton uh, with whichever is their dominant hand, the right or the left, uh, in, in dealing with the mob. Yeah, uh, uh, that, that's true. I mean, the, the small shields, if you look at some of the recent riots in Paris, you see examples of the small shields being used. There's both for and against it. The large shields are very, uh, they, they protect the members. The small shields are, are very useful for what you would term snatch squads. And, and indeed, there's probably room for a mixture of both types of protective shields uh, in a public order unit. Um, the suits that the, the 
protective uh, clothes that the Gardaí wear are, 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 are pretty standard, pretty pretty much what's used elsewhere. There is always innovations coming in with fire retardants and uh, and uh, anti-stab improvements in it. But these are things that, like, I would like to see the Garda public order equipment at changed on a, a rolling basis with the latest uh, what's available. Unfortunately, and I, I, I don't think anybody will argue with this, unfortunately, the Garda budget seldom stretches to cover all the requirements. And you see examples of if you have to allocate 10 million extra euros for overtime for city centre policing, that's an example of that should have been in the budget, should have been seen. I come back to the line, and I make this, I've made this line before, it shouldn't take a crisis to generate an adequate response. It, it took crises before to generate legislative responses. We're now getting a capacity strengthening response and enablement for Angarda Shia Connor yeah. that really, really should have been there already. Okay, uh, just getting back to the fundamental question, uh, was it that uh, the budget wasn't provided or was the budget not asked for? Because, you see, we got the impression from both the minister and the commissioner that they regarded you know, the, the trouble in... Dublin City from the the yobs from the pandemic on there's always been trouble in Dublin cities by the way the, you know it's nothing new but the extent of it uh, has become much more uh, an irritant in recent times but you know we got the impression from the Garda Commissioner and the Minister that Dublin by and large was a pretty safe place you get the odd tourist who's going to be injured etc but by and large it's a safe place but now we see there's the capacity for massive damage I mean, was the commissioner, was the minister blind to that possibility when they declared the city safe? Well, I suppose the, the, there has been a series of incidents, and, and I mean, you have discussed them at various times on, on your programmes, between attacks on tourists, between the uh, protests outside the Dáil and the jostling of TDs, which are basically an infringement on our on our, our democratic uh, philosophy in this country. Um, Dublin City is, is, is relatively safe, it features very high up on the safety index among capital cities in the world. However, as we see, we're not immune to spontaneous and very serious uh, protests uh, uh, and riots, as we saw on Thursday. And, uh, and I'm afraid the police force uh, has to be in a, in a position to respond adequately. The people, the, the legislator, the doll, every citizen wants a safe city and wants to feel safe going about a Dublin city. Um, that's something that has to be recaptured and recaptured very quickly now uh, by Angarda Siakana uh, with full support. And, 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 and I, I have to mention the fact of the investments in the northeast inner city and the investments by government and the city council in other areas of the city, uh, such as uh, Darndale, where I'm, I'm deeply involved myself, um, that is the approach. Um, I, I would like to see how many from different areas were involved. I was surprised to see somebody from down the country involved in this. But that's the nature of um, social media, the ability yeah. to whip up hysteria and the ability yeah. to generate momentum around yeah. protests. All right. Hey, Pat, so, uh, or sorry, uh, Jack, we have to leave it there. Um, that, that's the whole thing of the flash mob. It can be... Uh, assembled very, very quickly using social media. But uh, Dr. Jack Nolan is lecturer at UCD, retired assistant Garda commissioner. Listening to all of that, Paul Williams, crime journalist with the Irish Independent. Uh, Paul, good morning.
Good morning, Pat. So, this um, suite of measures announced by the Garda Commissioner yesterday is similar to kind of step changes in policing that were brought about by events. Absolutely. I think you just put your finger on it. Um, these were, <clears throat> these tasers were being planned long before today, um, or, or this week, or the, 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 the horrendous riots last week. And as Jack Nolan said, it was another seminal day. But it takes a crisis, and he made the point very, very eloquently there, that it shouldn't take a crisis or an incident like this to effect change. Uh, we should be, like, we're getting the impression that this commissioner uh, is completely over and on top of everything. And we have a policing authority and we have uh, all kinds of policing oversight bodies. And all of this information is there. But suddenly we're getting tasers out of the attic, out of the, like, the Christmas decorations. Let's pull out a box of tasers and distribute them around the guys and girls in the public order units. It's, you know, <laughs> if you, if anyone's driving in the cars at the moment and see a cop standing with a grin on his face or her face, you know what they're thinking. They're thinking, this is great fun. We're telling them about this for so long, and now suddenly they're all taking an interest. Uh, and when it's all over, perhaps it'll be forgotten about. I think one of the big issues that we have seen over the past few days, Pat, is the sight of Helen McEntee. By the way, I would say as well, before to, to tear it up, Helen McEntee and the Garda Commissioner shouldn't resign. They need to stay on and clean up this mess. But Helen McEntee telling us that she was going into the policing authority. Most of the people in the policing authority have never been frontline cops, Pat. To ask for guidelines on the use of force is extraordinary because a police force, the fundamental um, role of a police force is that it's the only agency in a state, a democratic state, which has the power to enforce the law through the use of force or coercion. The authority of a police officer uh, is there to be u- to use physical force and deprive individuals of their liberty if they don't wish to comply with the law and a lawful order. This is one of the first principles of Robert Peel's first police force that we're based on that emerged in 1829. For a commission, or sorry, a minister to be asking a question in 2023, should we go to the police authority to get them? So it, it conjures up the image in your head that we're going to get uh, some of these experts from the policing authority to go down Templemore and start teaching the lads and lassies how to use physical force when they're in the midst of, we saw what they were in the midst of last week, they were at it again last night in Fingus. More of the thugs and scumbags were out yesterday in Fingus celebrating one of their mates who was murdered and doing unlawful things driving around doing wheelies on the streets and being watched by the police because the police still are standing back because they don't have the confidence to do the job they're supposed to do. And that's what it's about. Now, the question of political response, I mean, if going to the police authority to get guidelines on the use of force is inappropriate, um, you know, the the government does have control over the establishment of of outfits like GSOC. And you've said before that uh, ordinary members are terrified that they'll end in front of GSOC if they uh, act in a way that somebody deems maybe inappropriate and then they may be cleared six months or a year later uh, having been suspended from duty but you know a black mark on the copy even to be in front of uh, GSOC I suppose. Are you saying that the the politicians need to you know outline clearly for the Gardaí what way is appropriate for them to act? 
Do you remember, Pat, back in 2011 when the, the News of the World hacking scandal engulfed the Met in London? And in August of 2011, I'll never forget watching it on TV, uh, the same kind of mobs of disaffected kids went on the rampage and burned large chunks of London. Uh, and at the time, David Cameron, and this was because they'd been engulfed in, the, in, in, in all these controversies, and they were saying, oh, we better stand back. David Cameron, who was then the Prime Minister, went to the House of Commons and said they need to get off their arses and do something about this and use the powers they have, as in the power to use physical force to prevent and stop this. Um, it's been done before. Um, and when you see, and I've said this to you before, and you cannot underestimate and you cannot overemphasize how dangerous it is when a police force, the thin blue line, which is very, very thin now, and it's not just rhetoric, is, has lost its confidence to do its job, its fundamental job that's central to what policing is about. And that you have to go out and ask the policing authority like, it, this is starting to get very much yeah. like a, an episode of Black Hammer uh, in Paul, a lot of ways, uh, You know, we've had all the rhetoric in, in Doyle Aaron. I mean, the duty of the opposition is to oppose uh, and to question uh, the actions of government. Have they been effective in doing this? Uh, well, you know, I, I read there's a great piece in the Irish Independent this morning by a colleague John Downing about this. Sinn Féin, who are aiming to be the new law and order party, um, this is the same Sinn Féin, just in case some of your listeners don't remember, uh, which, along with the IRA, were the ones who brought and introduced public disorder, violent public disorder, to the streets of Irish cities and towns in the Irish Republic. They are the people who still celebrate the men who murdered and maimed and intimidated Gardaí for decades. They were the people who undermined on Garda Síochána in working-class areas for decades, and basically through the concerned parents against drugs, which they infiltrated and then started allowing criminals to operate drug rackets in different areas of the city by paying them a license. This is the organization that is connected to organized crime. We heard about Jerry Hutch. We heard about uh, Jonathan Dowdall. You know, it is hypocrisy on an epic proportion. And when you see that um, happening, and we see these, the Sinn Féin taking that space, you've got to say to yourself, my God, where, how do we get here? And we are in serious, serious trouble. And they have to be called out on that. This kind of populist nonsense about picking up pictures of some man who urinated on him, some poor tragic man urinated on himself in the doll yesterday, one of the politicians, one of the Shinners did. And like, it's... It's incredible to watch, um, and people seem to forget about it. And it doesn't get challenged enough by ourselves and the media, because we need to remind people. We don't teach history as much anymore in, in, in Irish schools, and we need to go back to that. I remember one time myself and Stephen Ray were on with Marion Fiducan many years ago, and, and both of us, myself and Stephen, were you know <laughs> in the midst of this from the early 80s when we became journalists. And Mary Lou at the time was going on. She wasn't leader at the time. She was a, she was a deputy. And she was complaining and talking about the, the state of law and order in Dublin and criminality. And the two of us sort of looked at each other across the table. And I'd even saw Miriam, uh, Marion sorry, raising a quizzical eyebrow. And we waited until she got her spiel out. And I just turned around and said, but Mary Lou, it's your political party that went out of its way on a system, systemic basis to undermine and guard Síochána in an off, the vast majority of working-class areas in this city. And that's all of these things have an effect. All, all right. of these, there's cause and effect. And if you asked, if you asked 
uh, did a poll of the thugs and scumbags who were running riot in Dublin last Thursday, apart from the cohort of right-wing fascists that were driving this. But the vast majority of them were just ordinary thugs. And you ask them what political party you'd vote for, they tell you Sinn Féin, because they see it as a party of of, of opposition. And, like, we have to call out those things, because... Well, you're calling them out, and uh, obviously we'd welcome um, a debate between yourself and Sinn Féin on this uh, particular matter, because they, I'm sure, uh, would not uh, concur with uh, your description of the party today, however uh, its history might be told. Uh, But, Paul, we'll leave it there. Paul Williams, crime journalist with the Irish Independent. Uh, Thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.